All right, this is Free Will and Franklin back here with you all on Full Circle. And on this quest to find out more about my cousin, Timothy Charles Lee, and to ultimately get some sort of justice or some sort of healing and closure, I've been meeting all kinds of people who have heard about my cousin, and I hear the stories how it affected people and their lives. And joining me now is one of those people who recently reached out to me after learning that we were again bringing Timmy's name uh, to the community. And her name is Maria Judice. And just pulling some off her bio, um, which you could find at mariaaj.com. Maria is a storyteller working as a, a visual storyteller, working as a writer, director, producer, and an industry equity and equality advocate and educator for 25 plus years. She was born in San Francisco and an everyday black experience is made visible in her work. And over the past five years, she has developed the California black aesthetic. CBA is about preserving, highlighting and connecting and contextualizing all aspects of black life in the second largest state in the West. California, I'm supposing. (laughs) Uh, Well, welcome to Full Circle, Maria, and thanks for reaching out. Thank you. Thank you. It's really great to be here and great to connect um, around Timothy. And um, I'm just still, um, I woke up today and I was like, I can't believe I'm I'm taking such a huge leap and having an actual connection and conversation with someone about um, this person that I have been um, researching and learning more about over the past five years. Well, yeah. So let me just start off there. I guess I would ask you to first just tell us about how you heard about my cousin Timmy and you know the story behind that. Yeah. So um, I probably will start this story about maybe six years ago. Um, my grandfather had recently died and uh, we were very close. He was probably my best friend. Uh, and there was a little note with a Polaroid um, attached to it. And the note said, you know, don't forget to tell baby horse around about this. And Baby Horse Around is me. We all get nicknames in my family. My family's from the South, so we love (laughs) nicknames. And my grandfather died right before he told me the story. His kind of thing was like, Black history wasn't something you went to school to learn, which I did. (laughs) Um, You you can just sit and talk to me about it. So he always loved to like connect history for me, especially history around, you know, San Francisco and California since he moved here after World War II. Um, and when I flipped the Polaroid over, it was a picture of a man hanging from a tree. Um, I, and at the time, I didn't know that it was at the Concord BART station. But I eventually uh, figured that out. But on the back of it, it just had little Timmy Lee on the back of the Polaroid. And I'm not sure, but I really think my grandfather took the picture. Um, he was a kind of an amateur photographer back in the day. And that's kind of his thing is to be weirdly um, obsessed by something to the point of like him going to a photograph and have his own um, direct, you know, uh, Uh, storytelling about it because he was there. Um, And so when I learned more about uh, Timothy, I realized that um, there was probably some kind of family connection. I'm not 100% sure because my grandfather was 94 when he died. So most of the people um, 
that would know have passed. My mom didn't have great memories and my aunt and my cousins didn't have great memories other than they remembered when Timmy died. But what I have found out is that Timmy basically lived on the same in the same neighborhood in Berkeley as my uncle um, on Acton Street is where my uncle lived. And I just realized that whole neighborhood is like where we kind of spend all the weekends. And so um, I'm just kind of like guessing right now that there's probably a deeper connection, which is why my grandfather was so intense on, on telling me. And I think there's also this like other piece of it that I very much remember is like, we all never were told, we like, we never catched Bart after a certain time. I was like six when Timmy died and my family was very much on a, 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 not a fear factor, but there was a lot of fear around traveling outside of Berkeley, outside of Oakland. Like we could go San Francisco, Oakland, but anything out that we were driving and we were driving all together. And there was a constant kind of like, story in the background a lot of these like shadow stories around um fear and I, it had a lot to do with Timmy so when I asked like my parents generation they're like oh they remember it and they remember all the kind of um uh, parties that stopped that were in like Can uh, Concord and Antioch and Lafayette anywhere in the like kind of outer um Bay Area but they don't remember so much about the Timmy story other than, yeah, they remember it happened. My mom totally was like, yeah, it happened. I'm like, and <laughs> more. And I think there's this kind of a sense of like them blocking out the the thing that triggered them from, from actually having this mobility in um, the Bay Area. And so since then, I've been just trying to like dig up more and more of this story because, you know, I, I was six. Let me interrupt you here and ask you, it's all right, because I want to get on to what you're about to say. And that's because also in your in your bio, it says memories and community become the fabric of our storytelling. So tell us about how, as you grew older and grew more into adulthood, how the memory of Timmy has either shaped or been reflected in your life or in your work as an artist, a filmmaker, and a poet. Oh, thank you. Um so a lot of it for me is the fact that I grew up in, you know, San Francisco. I grew up in San Francisco in the 80s and 90s, um, and my childhood had a lot of, like, violence in it, and we didn't grow up, you know, particularly middle class, um, but we did grow up in a very, like, lovely, multi-culti community that really took care of you. Um, and through, like, gentrification and any kind of, like, forced migration out of the city, like, I've lost a lot of those connections over years and decades. Um, and it's hard to create memory without those connections. And so I constantly find myself as um, one of the only people from San Francisco in so many groups and scenes, but I'm also trying to remember all the time. And it's, it's really uh, a part of my practice to try and remember like what was here what used to be here what was that smell like how did we used to gather um I grew up in Noe Valley and I don't know if anybody on here knows um Noe Valley but Noe Valley back in the day was like just a bunch of poor folks on one side of on the south side of San Francisco that just kind of hung out had barbecues took care of each other's kids um all different cultures um and now it's very much strollers and you know 
uh, very uh, well-off people. And so when I tell people like the memory of Noe Valley, they are blown away to understand like what that used to be. Um, and my grandparents actually um, owned an apartment building there. And anybody that I run into that understands that part of like old San Francisco, they're like, oh, I totally remember your grandparents. I know exactly who your grandparents are. And I'm like, that that makes me feel so warm to be like, I'm remembered. <laughs> I'm visible. Um, I can connect to the three generations that um, have moved here and built San Francisco. I mean, I think it's just a, also a, a part and part of storytelling to say like, and this is also connected to Timmy, which is like, our stories have been removed from present day because of the lack thereof memory, right? We we just aren't telling each other and we aren't recalling enough. So as we tell the story of what the 80s and 90s in San Francisco are, very, very, very um, oftentimes I don't see my story reflected, like a black San Francisco story <laughs> reflected, uh, a Filipino San Francisco story connected, you know, like there's so many different multi-culti stories. And I'm just like, where are we? Why is this all about the, the white hippies and, and uh, the yuppies and the tech people? What about us? And um, before I cut you off a little bit earlier, talking about, um, the transportation issue and how it was, you know, you didn't go certain places. Talk about the mobility issue of being, having that fear in the background and being limited on mobility and uh, just how Timmy's, you know, of course, Timmy's case played into that. And there was others beyond Timmy that happened. I mean, before Timmy got killed, two men were stabbed by guys wearing KKK robes just down the street. You know, and earlier we heard in one of um, the stories that a woman lived in Concord and remembers as a child people protesting, people of color moving in, holding signs that they didn't want people of color moving in. So, you know, talk a little bit more about that mobility issue and what's that mean to, you know, be limited on where you can go and feel safe. Wow. Um, that is a huge topic, and I think it's a huge topic for anyone that is a personal color, a marginalized person that is from California, and particularly from San Francisco and the Bay Area where I'm from, is because um, it took me probably till I was like in my really early 30s to like recognize this kind of lack there of mobility that I felt really on the DNA level, like that I really had fear moving through even California space. And I remember this because I took once a trip from San Francisco all the way to uh, Vancouver on the one. And we got to uh, the place where Oregon and California border meet. And all of a sudden there were just all these like um, neo-Nazi signs and anti-immigration signs. And my partner at the time was um, uh, Croatian, but he was Croatian and white. And he like pulled over to go to the gas station. <laughs> and I was like, what you doing? He was like, oh, I got to use the bathroom. And I was like, uh, you're just going to leave me in the car. He's like, no, come and get some, get something at the store. I'm like, I'm not getting out the car. You're crazy. <laughs> this is insane. Like we just, we're in like a whole part of California that I know nothing about. And I didn't realize it was this bad. Like they had kids on the road, like a, a road that was not very safe holding up signs you know, anti, in, like pro-white signs. Like it was just so insane for me that this was like 2000 and maybe four or something. 
And my understanding of California is really this bubble called San Francisco. But then the bubble called San Francisco gets kind of uh, uh, opened up and, and popped when you realize that even within San Francisco and, you know, the Bay Area, there there is this kind of nostalgia and we're not really looking at the elephant in the room. And so I started to think about like high school, like it was very difficult for us <laughs> in high school to even catch public transportation when you had to do that to go to high school. Um, oftentimes kids would get harassed by police. I've seen kids beat up by police. I've seen so many of my um, uh, peers and students, including myself, get ticketed for having your feet in the aisle, you know, little things like that. And so well, you know, how we moved through the city did not feel free. It felt like you were constantly under assault. And then if we move forward and we talk about Oscar Grant and we see that that situation that happened, it's not surprising for many of us. I know it shocked a lot of uh, 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 white folks, but it did not shock me. I mean, it almost feels like we're always at this like place on the edge where something is going to erupt. Um, and I'll even say when I did a film in, I believe it was 2007, and I wanted to do it at the 24th Street BART station, and it had nothing really to do with BART other than there was this young, young girl like catching BART, and I just wanted a scene of her moving through BART. As soon as they saw like me, <laughs> they were like, hell no. <laughs> We, you can't do it. And I was like, but there's nothing against Bart. There's no, there's, I'm not saying anything about Bart. She's just traveling through Bart. And I had a difficult time even shooting on Bart or shooting anywhere near Bart. And I ended up stealing the shot. It's cool. It's, 50, it's like 10 years later. So whatever, you can do whatever you want to me. <laughs> but I, I ended up stealing the shot and then shooting on like the public um, place where the Bart is. And I can tell you every time I screen that film, everyone just just is in awe looking at BART at 2007 and really looking at the place of community that is specifically for um, 24th Street BART where people gather. And like right now, that place is under assault because during the pandemic, that's where people gathered. And now there's too much gathering. It's too congested. So they're putting up fences and creating all these like yellow lines where People can't stand, they can't pray, they can't do, they can't sit with their friend, they can't drink a beer, they can't do anything that they do in public, right? There's no place in public to gather anymore. And gathering is a huge place of mobility. I, I think this is just like a huge question. I have so right. much to talk about. <laughs> well, um, we did speak earlier, and let's just move on a little bit because we yeah. only have a little yeah. time left. Yes, but please. earlier when we did talk, we talked about burying history and things that happen when you do that, and also about healing and what happens when you have like some sort of reconciliation, some sort of awareness and acknowledgement. Yes, this is a terrible mm. history. Mm. It happened here in Concord you know, what can we learn from it? How can we grow out of it? You know, so burying history and, um, and healing, because I felt a little frustrated because I attended the two council meetings in Concord leading up to my cousin's memorial walk. And I was on zoom, of course, but I did speak. And I personally invited the city council and the mayor to come out and none of them showed up. And I felt it was a missed opportunity for healing and talking, uh, taking account for what happened in your city long ago, which has been buried and forgotten, um, or at least, you know, tried to be buried and forgotten. So tell us about 
what this tells you, one, that none of the sitting board at the time showed up. Also, what happens when we do embrace our history or bury our histories? And sometimes if we could have some sort of healing, what it could mean. Well, I will just say that um, since I've been working on this film, I definitely feel the spirit of Timmy um, giving me momentum and giving me these little pebbles, even bringing me to you. Um, and I think that's an important thing about laying him to rest and and bringing the truth, this this collective truth that us on on this side of the tracks, us that are on the south side, us that are marginalized um, and and fight for our truth to be recognized. Like, I think it's I'm here even speaking to you because he's really pushing me to um, keep the story alive and figure out how best to get it to a center space and recognize so he can rest. Um, I think it's a huge part of the Bay Area right now of this healing process that's very necessary. Like you go to these spaces and you can feel the energy that's stagnant. You can feel these um, lost souls that are asking us all to uh, recognize and to be careful and to give us warnings around how to navigate spaces. Um, healing is not easy. I don't necessarily think politicians are very, very good at it and ready for it. But if we're talking about progress, if we're talking about forward movement, we have to move through the pain. And it's not just about reliving and conjuring the pain every five seconds. It is about actually feeling like you are saying a piece of your heart and a piece of your grief so that you can then have generations move through that and understand how we've moved past the history and the history is very possible to move past if we really want to right um and we all need to work together i mean like there's so much in the healing process even with my own work that i i feel it's necessary for me to stay in the bay area um and to collectively make a future for everyone to live in all right that is the voice of maria judice and she has been speaking about her work and how um, my cousin Timmy's case has reflected on her life. And tell us briefly, because we're running out of time, where people can follow um, your work and, you know, what they will find there. What is some of your other work? Yeah, um, really quickly, I just want to say that uh, Timothy inspired a feature film right now called Elephant. And obviously the elephant in the room is that we have a, a lynching that has happened in 1985 in California, and there is not a collective memory of that that is recognized in the center space. Um, and that film right now is in festival. I think you can catch it probably at the Gullah Geechee Festival online, um, or you can just go to elephantfilm.com and learn more about the film. Most of my work is online. Um, again, you can go to my website, mariaaj.com, um, and see more of my work. I'm always in San Francisco, kind of just doing public art and, um, you know, trying to find stories to, to bring to light. So I'm around. You can always like talk to me. <laughs> All right, Maria. And you were also inspired to write a poem about Timmy and you've agreed to read the poem. Tell us briefly about the poem and then go ahead and bust it out. 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm going to do my best to read this poem. I just want to say I'm not a poet. <laughs> I was just really inspired. This is a part of a larger um, project. So Elephant is a multidisciplinary project. Part of it is the feature film and then the documentary that would be about Timmy. And um, I also wrote maybe three or f actually probably like 10 or 12 um, poems and a couple short stories that are attached to it. So I'm hoping this will be all a book um, to, to just find ways that people can engage with something. I'm always looking at ways to um, not trigger people around past traumas, but to allow people to approach those histories in ways that feel comfortable um, without harming, re-harming them again. Um, so this is the poem. Uh, it's called For Timothy Charles Lee. He who thought he had options chose to rest deeply into underwater dreams of a 19-year-old boy confidently moving through grounded and still, riding high above all the suckas, passing his Berkeley south of midnight, he slept that good sleep, neck crooked, rapid eye movement, oscillations of stardust permutations of the day before today and so tomorrow he reclined in fairy tale dreams that Jimmy would have been proud of. Lost one dollar on 10 cent phone calls, he knew not to stop, dream, be still, lean back on an old fig tree with only branches and no leaves, hissing ignorant epitaphs and whispering secrets of phony palm trees. What of deferred people, strangers to naps, forced to be woke, awake, always awake, tortured, roaming, night, terror, eyes wide open from birth, he blinked for a second and forgot the ravening white gaze of burdened elephants devoured by the hive, no fighting a swarm. He remembered his lucky day, now yesterday, a new day, a new beginning, yet in this life he dangled on backpack straps a spiritual death for the crowd of, Limmy, of little Timmy Lees. Waking nightmares are curated here, one man said. Circling back to 1985, another man said, I told that boy to keep one eye open, said Big Daddy, archiving, and that he had a good American car for me. Rest in power, Timothy Lee. All right. Well, thank you for that beautiful poem. Again, that's uh, Maria Judice. I got it right this time. Yes, you did. And you can find her work at Maria AJ dot. Help me out. Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maria AJ dot com. I appreciate you, um, you know, reaching out and connecting as you said it was um i guess it's part of the journey to end up running into people that exactly. are, have been moved by this story and i appreciate all the work that you um put into um, timmy's memory and i look forward to meeting you in person and yes. uh, getting some work done to help uh, bring timmy's name out 2023 uh will be a big year for timmy's name i'm hoping and yes. um, i look forward to um doing that with you. So thanks for being here tonight on Full Circle. Thank you so much for having me.